you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Hello, good evening. Hello, lovely to see you all here. Nice to see everybody's chatting. Hope you're getting to know new people. So, has already been said, my name's Fee, or Fiona, whichever you prefer, um, and I'm here to speak to you this evening. If you that have been in the evening services recently, you'll know that we're going through a series entitled Good Questions. So, it's covered such things as, um, can I trust my emotions? And do all roads lead to Jesus? Now, if you haven't, if you've missed some of them, then do catch up on the podcast. You can find them on all the different podcast platforms. I'm not sure what they all are, but you all know them. Um, They're going to continue over the next couple of weeks, so we'll conclude just before Christmas. So this question I'm posing this evening and unpacking is, how do I live well? I feel like I might have drawn the short straw. It's quite a big question, isn't it? How do I live well? So don't we all long to flourish in life? I'm passionate about living well and other people living well, because don't we all long to live lives that are healthy, are fruitful, We make good choices and make a difference in our time. Surely everyone in the world wants to live well. You just want to thrive. You don't just want to survive, do you? We want to enjoy life and prosper. But I would argue that few of us live well, and probably even fewer finish well. And I love this verse from Acts 13. It says that David, before he died, had served the purpose of God in his own generation. Wouldn't it be incredible if all of us could get to the end of our life and say that we had served the purpose of God in our generation and lived well to the end? So how do we do that? I want to hinge it and hang it on one idea called stewardship. Now, stewardship isn't necessarily a flashy word, is it? But I want to say that this evening it's the key to living our lives of health and multiplication and fruitfulness. We need to understand our roles of stewards. But I must say, this isn't about averting crisis. The Bible says that suffering and hard times will come. But if we intentionally steward our lives, well, then these storms become so much easier to weather. So as we work through this evening, we're going to define what stewardship is. How do we do it? What areas of our life do we need to focus on? And what do we do when crisis comes? Stewardship has a very biblical meaning, which has consequences for our lives. So let's go right back to the beginning, to when God created the world and put the beginnings of the world order in place. In Genesis 1, we read about God creating the world. God is the creator and owner of the world and everything in it. As creation progresses, as I'm sure many of you know, on day 6, in verse 27, he gives man, in this case, Adam and Eve, dominion over his creation. Now, note that word dominion. Dominion is not the same as ownership. God wants Adam and Eve to look after it. But more than that, he doesn't just want them to look after it. He wants them to increase and multiply. God can see how things can progress. Adam and Eve can have a family. They'll need more supplies to sustain them. They need to grow in their skills and in their relationship as they grow as a team. Now, this concept of stewardship carries on throughout the Bible. As we carry on into the Old Testament, then a number of people are put in charge of households. You see this first in Genesis. Abraham has a household, but he has a household manager. That manager doesn't own the household, but he's a manager of it. They have to look after the finances, the people, the buildings, and ensure there's plenty, and make sure that it grows. 
We carry on. We see in Proverbs 31, the Bible unpacks a woman who stewards the household. The the woman sees everything within her gift. She works hard. She sees how she can use the skills she has to run her household well and multiply it all. Now, of course, Jesus is the ultimate steward. He sees that God is his father in heaven. He understands his skills, and he also understands the purpose he's been called to, to serve. He knows his life is not his own. He has a purpose. There is a plan. God is going to be glorified through Jesus. So, as you'll see, stewardship is the way we look after what we've been given, not the way we own things. We're stewards, trustees, or custodians. Your life belongs to the Lord. So, let's think about all of our different resources, all you've been given. So, I'm sure the most obvious one you think of is money, isn't it? But I'd like to say it's so much more than that. We have time. We have energy. You've got your mind and your body and your gifts. They're all coming up behind me. Your responsibilities, and I'm sure there's loads more that you could add on. But have you ever thought, God has given me all of this, and he wants me to flourish, and he wants me to live well in these areas? Now, we all know that that doesn't just happen by accident, right? Living well, sadly, doesn't just happen. It's a whole life journey based on stewardship. What we have in order to see a blessing, a multiplication, and ultimately, and most importantly, God glorified. So in my life, it drives the decisions I make, how I live my life, I spend my finances, raise my family, how my husband and I make decisions about the direction of our life, the relationships we invest in, the exercise we take, the food we eat, and what we, give, what we think about, what we give our attention to. So I think the key is recognizing that everything I have is a gift from God, that we should use it in such a way that leads Jesus to being honored and what I have being multiplied. Now, I think this is greatly illustrated in the parable of the talents, which is found in Matthew 25. Now, it's quite a long passage, so I decided I wouldn't read it out tonight, but I'll just give you a little paraphrase of it. A master gives his servants a variety of talents, money, each according to his ability. Now, note, we don't all get the same gifts, the same amount of money. Isn't it so easy to look at others and think, oh, I wish I had what they had? But you know what? They might be looking at you thinking, I wish what they had. That's not the point. The servants get entrusted with money and are called to steward it. So there's one who gets five, and he multiplies it by five. There's one who gets two, and he multiplies it by two. But there's one person who only gets one. He buries it in the ground, did absolutely nothing with it. To those that multiply their talents, the master, and because it's a parable, this is Jesus, says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He's not pleased with the one who doesn't multiply, who lives in comfort, comfort zone, avoids risk, buries the talent, and lives for himself. Now, sometimes that feels nice, doesn't it? That feels like the good option, just staying comfortable, staying where you are. But then, I don't know if you've done that. I've definitely done that in my life with certain things. Our world starts to get smaller and not bigger. And I would argue that that isn't what God wants for us. So, surely we should multiply what God has given us. When we use what God has given us, he trusts us with more. And that's such a key, isn't it? When you put God first right now with the little you have in front of you, he will bless it and he will multiply it. 
So I want to share a story of mine um, to do with this. So I went to university in Hull, and I knew that God wanted me to stay, stay here, and I knew he wanted me to get a job. And I thought that would be in finance. Now, that's scary. I'm sure a number of you are students here. I quite liked my student life. Do you know, like, I got to watch Homes Under the Hammer. Um, I got quite long holidays. I got to live with my mates. It was quite good fun. There was nine of us that lived in a house. I had a lot of fun. Um, you know, you got, I got to go to bed late, wake up early. Um, wake up late. <laughs> that would be a shame if I had to wake up early, wouldn't it? Um, do you know what? That was quite nice. But do you know what? God had different plans. He was calling me on to more. He wanted to stretch me. He wanted me to use those skills I was learning at university and I was learning through life. Now, did I want to do it? Yes and no. Was I scared? Most definitely. But I knew I had to do it, though, because what could I have missed? And as it turns out, the first job I had out, out of uni, which was in finance, do you know what? It taught me so much. God used it. It gave me skills, which I use in my job today, it meant that I could share the gospel with people who'd never even heard about Jesus. It gave me a deeper understanding of the city of Hull, which has been my home for 20 years. But you know, remember what I said at the beginning? It wasn't about avoiding suffering. It was really hard as well at times, I'm not going to lie. But God used that, and he used those hard times as well to make me a better person and to make me more like Jesus. So we've got two areas we need to consider when we think about stewardship. We need to consider wisdom and the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about that wisdom that says, don't walk out in front of that, don't walk out onto the road when a car's coming, because we all know that's you know, common sense, we shouldn't do that. I'm talking about a God-given wisdom. The Bible is the greatest source of wisdom. And can I encourage you, if you've not read Proverbs, to do that? It's quite an easy book of the Bible to read. It doesn't get bogged down in loads of genealogies. It gets, you know, there's lots of little bite-sized bits, which is quite helpful. Well, it is for me anyway. And it's a masterclass in how to live well. Because do you know what? Many of our issues and our pain and the things that we struggle with would be avoided if we could just latch on to God's wisdom. But alongside that, we need to balance that with the Holy Spirit and be open and listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to us today. Now, that might mean that we go on a path that we had not anticipated, but it will still be the Lord. So I have twins. They're nearly eight. Actually, they're eight next Sunday. And every morning, they ask Alexa how many days it is till the 26th of November. So I know it's seven days. They also ask me how many days is it to ask Alexa how many days it is to Christmas, but I can't remember that now. But they're really excited. And when they were little, I went to a twins club because I never had twins before. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, never had a baby before. And it was amazing to just uh, spend time with other people that had twins, were in the same boat. I mean, we used to turn up each week and think, say to each other, I have no idea what I'm doing. And um, the phrase, fake it till you make it, comes to mind. So I got to know loads of people. I shared the gospel. Nobody else was Christian um, there. And they were a real sense of support for me. They're still friend I'm still friends with them today. However, one week, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to lay Twins Club down. Now, in my mind, that didn't make any sense. I was there. It was a support for me. I was there. I was sharing Jesus with these people. Why would God ask me to do that? But, you know, God's better than me. He kind of has a plan, doesn't he? So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to trust this. So I stopped running Twins Club. And, do you know, the week I stopped running it, all the twins and their parents turned up at our stay and play here at church 
for under fives. It was amazing. I mean, the people who run Stanford at the time had absolutely no idea what to do, because suddenly, like, doubled in number. But it was incredible. And you know what? We could openly share Jesus. We have a story time, read Bible stories. They got to know the church and other Christians. They got involved in donating things to Grow Baby, and they've come to lots of our events. Some of them even came to the bonfire night. <clears throat> so what I want to do now is unpack practically some of our areas of our life and process with how we live well in them. Now, remember that long list I had at the beginning on that slide? I just want to pull a few of those out. I mean, you can all go away and think about these more yourself. But I've just focused on a few. Firstly, time. Let's think about our time. Our week has 168 hours in it. I'm good at maths. And in Colossians, Paul writes, whatever you do, work with it all your heart as working for the Lord, not for your human master. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So what do you do with your spare time? Are you living intentionally, on purpose, or do you find that life just happens to you? Are you over busy, with no time for God? You're not cultivating that health in inner life? Surely that should be our highest priority. Are you lazy? Might sound harsh, but the Bible has so much to say about the significance of dignity that comes through work and the importance of spending that time wisely. And do you invest your time well in things that honour God and serve others? Now, this is a little plug. If you've got any time spare, I'm sure you could get involved here at church. Recently, we've been doing the vision series about making room. We're starting our three services. And the hope is that everybody will serve one service, one Sunday, once a month. Or perhaps you have some time during the week and you'd like to come and help out the food bank. There's loads of cards at the back. Just fill one of those in and somebody will get in touch. Secondly, on that list, I want to pull out relationships. So relationships for all of us are a significant part of our life. And the one where it's really easy to make unwise choices. But here's a key principle. Who you, shape, who you surround yourself will shape your future and destiny. Now, this isn't to avoid people that have issues. We all have issues. I know I certainly do. We're called to love everybody. But this is more about who we let into our inner world. Now, let's look at Jesus, because, you know, going back to that, he was the wisest person, so he's a good person, point of reference. He had one best friend. He had three close friends. Then he had the 12 disciples. Then he had the 72. And then he had the crowds. And he was incredibly intentional about how he spent his time with these groups of people. You know, sometimes he was with the crowds, wasn't he? We read that in the Gospels, and he went to heal people. But then he had to retreat, and he went to spend time either on his own or with God or just with his close friends. Now, none of that is wrong. All of that is great. In Proverbs 13, it says, Spend time with the wise, and you will come, become wise, but the friends of fools will suffer. So I recently had a significant birthday, I know, 21 again, and I'm doing really well. Um, me and some friends went away to celebrate. Now, these are friends I've had from secondary school. They're good friends. They challenge me on my worldview, how I live. They're friends I can confide in and friends I have a laugh with. Sadly, we don't live near each other anymore. But do you know what? There's an intentionality in us meeting up throughout the year, having Zooms together, 
being in touch, remembering things about each other, and I miss them, and I miss their wisdom when I've not spoken to them for a while. I have to remember to intentionally be in touch with these people. Now, let's take a moment to think about our gifts, to think about how we might use them for our work or our studies. We're all at different stages of our life, aren't we? And when I was thinking about this, it drove me to the passage in Romans 12. For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So we don't know how God is going to use what we've got. Some of you might be studying, wondering what on earth I'm going to be doing with this. Now you can trust God with that. You might be doing your job. You might have such a longing inside you to do something. But you need to know your lane. You need to know what God is calling you to do. And when I was thinking about this and work and how it can have such an impact, do you remember at the beginning we were talking about David and um, the purpose of his generation fulfilling that? It made me think about the Quakers. Now, the Quakers, a number of years ago, set up the chocolate companies we know today. I mean, who likes Cadbury's? Who likes their Terry's chocolate orange? It's going up to Christmas. I'm sure everybody's getting one. Do you know what? They were, they were against alcohol. They didn't drink alcohol. And, but they wanted to have something which was another communal thing for people to share. So they came up with the idea of hot chocolate. They set up the chocolate companies, which still exist today. But do you know, more than that, they actually brought in employee rights. So they are the reason that we have paid holidays, that we have policies in place. And you know what? They were just following what they felt God was doing, and that has had significance down the generations, and it has set culture. Now, all of us have that gift within us to set culture, you know, as a collective body, as individuals. So my challenge to all of us, including myself, is what can we do today to do that? Now, let's look about finances. I'm sure when I mention the word stewardship, a number of you automatically think, oh, she's just going to talk about money. Hopefully, you've seen it's a lot more than that. Now, God does not just call us to manage our finances and steward our finances, but the whole of our lives, as I've said. But often, our finances can be a heart issue. Let's look at Matthew 6. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus says, when our treasure is there, our heart is also. And I think this is an area where it's really easy to take back ownership of, isn't it? Forgetting that we're meant to be custodians even of the money we've had, or even of the money, do you know, we've worked really hard for. It's mine, isn't it? That's why it's really easy to think. But no, it's not. It's God's. And we shouldn't covet what other people have either. We're not called to do that. We are called to live wisely with it. Now, all of us in this room will have different levels of money, different relationships, and different experiences. And if you'd like to delve more into this, can I encourage you to listen to Josh's talk, which he did last Sunday morning, where he unpacks this in greater detail. If you're sitting here thinking, I have no idea what to do about money, I'm in debt, I need some help with budgeting, then we have CMA, they're a, um, one of our projects here at church, and they would be able to help you. All the details are on our website. Now, let's look at the physical. Do you not know yourselves, you are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells among you? 
we initially think about food and exercise. There's plenty of media coverage on the consequences of not looking after ourselves, but I want to consider the impact of sleep. When preparing this talk, Josh sent me a meme, which was quite funny. It was about how, when we're really tired, we actually think that God is sending us things. Now, isn't that true? <laughs> it's true, isn't it? It's definitely true of me. And do you know what? This happened to me on Thursday night. I was absolutely shattered. And my husband says to me, when I'm having moments when I'm struggling, I know I do struggle, if, the world is ang if I feel the world is angry at me, then I'm tired. And if you're angry at the world, then you're hungry. And you know what? He's quite often true. He's, you know, he's a wise man. He knows his wife. And on Thursday night, I was exhausted. So I definitely thought the world was against me. You know, um, spiritual warfare had broken out in my life. So I could have stayed up. And I actually quite like staying up and watching TV. I'm watching some good TV series at the moment. Um, but I was so tired. I thought, you know what? This time, probably because I was doing this talk tonight, I'm going to go to bed. And it was amazing. I felt so much better on Friday because of it. It meant the day was more productive than I'd hoped. I didn't think the world was against me, which on Thursday night I had. So something that we easily forget about can actually have a massive impact on us. And it's easy, isn't it, when you're students to stay up really late and run to lectures and wear yourself out. And it's easy when you've got a family. It's hard if you don't have children that sleep through the night. I've been there. Um, so, yeah, just want you to consider that. So, if we don't live these lives of purpose and live well, what can go wrong? What does it look like when we don't steward all we have well? When we don't make those intentional decisions? We can forget about the long game. We live in this instant world, dealing with consequences down the line, and our lives can become disordered and chaotic. Now, who wants a disordered and chaotic life? I would argue that nobody does. Nobody chooses that type of life. And we also, we won't be walking in the fullness of what God has for us. And also, we won't be prepared when crisis comes. Because remember what I said, crisis will come. So about nine years ago, remember I was talking about my twins who are eight next weekend? That, this keys into them. My husband and I felt like God was calling us to save hard. Now, I quite like going on holiday, quite like traveling. I was a bit disappointed that I had to save hard because that meant I had to do less of that. But thought, okay, let's be obedient, let's save hard. But we had no idea why we were meant to be doing that. We were living in a house I loved. We were planning on having a baby. We could have the baby in the house. Um, but we were saving. And then my husband found this new house, which he felt God wanted us to buy. So I was a bit put out about that. I have to admit, I thought it was an absolutely ridiculous idea. But we ended up buying this house, and it was a total God provision moment, which is a whole story in itself about how God provided everything we needed to buy it. So we moved in, and I still didn't understand why we'd had to move to this bigger house. And then four months after we moved, I fell pregnant with twins. And then those twins were born prematurely, and I was really ill after we'd given birth. We needed our family to come and stay with us for great swathes of time. We needed our friends to come round. Now, if we had been in our old house, that really would have been a struggle. We wouldn't, have fitted, we wouldn't have fit two babies in, let alone anybody else, and all the paraphernalia that comes with children. So it would have been hard. So we were glad that we had listened to God in that moment, even though we didn't understand it and we didn't necessarily like it. Now, also, because of that house, 
we've been able to have other people to stay who've needed houses, like a house between house contracts, we've had parties, we've had the neighbours round, we've been able to use it. But my husband and I will always hold it lightly. It isn't ours. It is God's provision. He may keep us there, and if so, we'll continue to steward it. He may move us on to a different house. And like this one, there will be a reason for that, even if we don't understand it in the moment. So imagine if we hadn't thought about the long game and we hadn't trusted God and we just lived in that instant world and I'd gone on my long-awaited trip to Barcelona and my long-awaited trip to Canada. We would have had to deal with these consequences down the line and I also wouldn't have been walking in the fullness of what God had for me. So, as I've gone through this area and unpacked living well and how we can all improve on the journey of doing it, then perhaps you felt a nudging or realise there's an area you want to change. Remember to look at the long game. It might be hard in the immediate, but it will have amazing consequences. Start with one step in front of the other. What can I do today? Can I speak to someone? Can I get prayer this evening? Can I read Proverbs? Can I get some help with something I'm struggling with? But remember, Rome is not built in a day. And God doesn't expect us to get it all, to, all together tomorrow. It's just one step in front of the other. So, can I encourage you, as we spend some time praying, and we ask for the Holy Spirit to fall and minister to us, that you pray about these things. Ask for God's wisdom. He loves it when we ask for wisdom, and he will always answer. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.